Welcome to Ride Over Stride, Episode 9. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis, a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here today with Master Horseman Van Hargis, and we're going to be responding to a listener question regarding herdbound horses. Yes, that's right, Laura. Laura, we had a good question come up from a, a loyal listener, a gentleman by the name of Scott. And he sent us a question in regard to a six-year-old thoroughbred mare that he had had some issues with, uh, her kind of wanting to be herd sour, herd bound. And, you know, uh, he, he worded this in a great way, and he was addressing this in some ways, and I'm sure that he had uh, reviewed in the past and utilizing some techniques that some of us refer to as making the right thing easy, the wrong thing difficult, which is basically a universal uh, effort that we try to use to, to get our horses to respond positively for us. And, uh, but yet it's not necessarily working for him. So we wanted to know if we couldn't address that. So thought we sure would. Okay. And so what's your first thing you say to somebody with a, a horse with a problem like this? Well, it's, it's not a popular answer. See everybody. <laughs> and, and I, as you know, I had spent some time thinking about this and I was writing a very, very long response to it. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to visit with, with Scott over our podcast and uh, try to verbalize it in such a way that he can hopefully follow and understand. The reason I say it's not a simple answer is, and it's not an answer that somebody wants to hear is because in my experience, horses that are herd bound, it's really an indication of a lack of respect for the horse as us as a leader. Now, how many of us want to hear somebody tell us that? That we're not viewed as a leader. We're not a strong enough leader. The reason that's so important for us to understand is, and we can't take it personal. I mean, for example, like if you were going to go shopping, wouldn't you rather go shopping with one of your daughters as opposed to one of your sons? I mean, we, we tend to like to go places with like kind. Horses are the same way. They're herd animals. Number one, they want to be in a group. And that's very important for us to understand that they want to be in a group. They want to be in a herd. And simply put, it's all about survival. And horses want to be in a group. And the larger the group that they're in, the greater the chances of them survival. And I'm going to explain that just real briefly. For example, Laura, if there are 10 horses in a herd and there is a predator, there's one-tenth of the chance that that horse is going to survive. However, if there's only two horses, there's only a 50-50 chance that horse is going to survive. If there's only one horse, there's a 100% chance this horse is going to get consumed by the predator. So we have to look at it from the horse's perspective that there is safety in numbers. Therefore, when we separate the horse from the herd, it's obvious and understandable why they would be anxious that they've been separated from the herd. Therefore, they've been singled out by what they think may be the predator doesn't always mean that the horse views us as the predator. It just means that if there's a predator stalking about and we're the ones that led the horse away from the herd, that makes all the sense in the world then why the horse thinks that they're going to be victimized, if you will. And so then you can't ever take your horse away from the herd? I mean. Sure. <laughs> we, we can, but we have to realize that instinctively they're going to want to be with like kind. They're going to want to be with the other horses. Now, we as riders, we as horsemen, we as... Uh, handlers of our horses, we will never fully replace another horse. 
as being a like kind, but we can replace them as a leader. We are worthy as their leaders, I should say. And what does that accomplish? Is it that then they are going to trust you not to take them into a situation where the predator can eat them or? Over time, yeah. Over time, they will begin to recognize the fact that as their leader, we offer them the same thing that their herd does, which is the safety. That whenever they are with us, they realize that we are going to protect them, that we can offer them um, the security that they need within the herd. But in order for them to have confidence in that, we have to make some really good decisions on their behalf. You know, we were recently in Iowa at the Iowa Horse Fair, and we talked extensively about that. I, I mean, you may have remember there, there was a horse that we were working with, and, and I basically said that the first thing we need to do is just allow the horse to be a horse for a moment. And then over time, I'm going to start helping the horse make decisions. And consistently, if I make better decisions on the horse's behalf, then the horse will gradually begin to view me as its leader. Once I'm its leader, it'll literally follow me anywhere, you know, just like we saw at the Iowa Horse Fair. The horse in there was in my hip pocket everywhere I went, even got to the point where he was kind of ignoring it. It was actually a little filly, but she was ignoring the other horses in the arena, and it was quite happy to follow me. And we earned that through allowing the horse to make mistakes and letting the horse understand that those mistakes cost it more energy, cost it more consumption of energy, I guess you could say, than just being next to me and being by me. Even though sometimes I was still making the little filly work, she was working less and she was working under less stress when she was with me working than she was when she was too concerned about the other horses. And by the end of that session, the horse had literally just kind of melted. I and mean, she was quietly standing beside me. When I moved, she moved. Uh, she was quite happy to stand still just beside me. And that's what we're looking for in our horses, for them just to relax and give their security over to us. And so how does that apply in a situation where you've got a herd-bound horse? What is the process then that you would go through to get the horse, I guess, paying attention to you and respecting you and feeling safe with you so it's not flipping out and doing the things that Scott talked about that his horse was having issues with? That's a great question. I want to address something that Scott had tried. He said that whenever the horse, when he was trying to ride the horse away from the herd and the horse kept wanting to go back to the other horses, his deal was is that he, or one of his approaches was he went back to the horse or back to the herd and exercised the horse around the herd and then took the horse away from the herd to let it relax and rest. He was following the, I guess you could say the technique uh, or the method that we've used before to making the right thing easy, the wrong thing difficult, meaning that he took the horse to the herd and let him think that being around the herd is a lot of work. Being away from the herd is easy. The problem, and, and I'm not saying that's wrong. That was a good approach. But we also understand, too, that in this case, how's his leadership working? He goes back to the herd and he's working the horse in that herd. Then he takes the horse away. And either way, he's the bad guy. He's the bad guy in the herd. He's the bad guy away from the herd because he took the horse away from the herd. So whether you're with the horse, in the herd, next to the herd, away from the herd, whatever, the goal is not just to get the horse away from the herd and, and be good about leaving his friends. The goal is, is becoming a stronger leader in the horse's eyes. And so how would you do, what would you do differently with that technique? Or I would have the horse focus on me that to the point to where at any moment the horse got distracted and looked at the other horses, I would get the horse's attention back on me. No matter where you are. Exactly. It wouldn't matter if I was in the herd or if I was away from the herd or no matter where I am, I want the horse to understand that I control his legs and his lungs 
and basically control his energy. If I can control, get the horse to let me control his energy, then before you know it, he's going to be turning his mind over to me totally. So the more I can keep him focused on me and the, the least he's going to stay focused on his other horses or his other herd, then he'll begin to realize that with me comes the safety that I am the leader, no matter how hard I've got to work to obtain that, that I'm going to do that. And I'm going to give you an example. Several years ago, I had an opportunity to, um, I guess you could say, view a wild horse situation, at least as wild as it could be. It wasn't actually wild horses out in the wild, but it was on a huge, huge ranch. And this particular ranch had probably 40 or so broodmares turned out in the pasture and uh, had a stud out there with the mares. And one of the mares had come in heat. Thing is, she was just a young three-year-old filly. She'd never been bred before. And uh, as the stud approached her, she wouldn't stand still. She just kept moving away from him. So obviously, he couldn't do his job without her standing still. So before long, he did right the opposite. Rather than trying to coax her into standing still so he could breed her, what he did was he literally separated her from the herd and moved her away from the herd. And he would not let her come back into the herd. Every time she stopped to rest, he would make her run again. And he just kept doing this and kept doing this and kept doing this until eventually she figured out that the only way she was going to get back in the herd, and the only way she was going to be able to, to rest was to allow him to breed her. And I watched that. And it was just amazing to me because I realized that at that point in time, and of course during that season, he was not just out to breed the mare. He was out to show the filly that he was the leader. He controlled not just her, he controlled the other horses as well. And it was to the point to where when he finally did breed her, her whole attitude toward him was totally different. He could just move and she would be very keenly aware of where he was, what he was doing. Not out of fear. In the beginning, it was fear in a way because he had to almost invoke the fear in order to get her attention. And I'm not ever saying that as humans, we should look at that as our goal to invoke fear in our horses, but Sometimes I'll tell them to do whatever it takes to get the horse to focus on you. Once you do that, then the relationship can start establishing. But until you do that, until you have the horse's attention, no matter what you do is not really going to be absorbed by the horse. So we have to, at that stage, get the horse's attention in whatever means we, we can. And then once the horse begins to realize, just like in the studs case, the filly realized that he was in control of when she could rest and when she couldn't rest. He was in control of her legs and her lungs. So she finally began to seek out other ideas. Maybe this guy's idea is not so bad. Maybe standing still and breathing is a good thing. Maybe standing still and conserving this energy is a good thing. And then once she realized that and she was able to stand still, she was able to rest, and then she was able to even stand still and, and follow nature's calling. And believe me, you could tell by looking at the mare, she was ready and willing and wanting to be bred. She'd just never been bred before. So she didn't know what was going on. Why was this stud approaching her? So he really had to do almost the same thing as we would do with a horse. We're going to try to mount them for the first time, put a saddle on them for the first time. Sometimes maybe even just put a hand on them for the first time. He had to, the, that stud horse had to do the exact same thing to her to let her know that his approach was not going to be harmful to her. As a result, they procreated. And before you know it, they're now in a position to to keep the species alive. So that's what we have to understand about horses. It's all about survival to them. Not only this personal survival, but the herd survival. So we have to realize then in order for us to be that herd leader, we have to be dedicated to do whatever it takes 
and whatever means it takes to a certain degree in a way that the horses can understand and they can relate to, to be their leader. Once we establish that, then it's amazing how willing the horses will be for us. Okay. And so then getting back to a really practical level, what would you tell Scott if you were at his facility and he's got this horse that doesn't want to leave the herd? Can you take us through the steps of what you're going to do to accomplish what you've just been talking about? To a degree, yes. And the reason I say to a degree, I'm not trying to be evasive. It's just that, you know, it's very difficult sometimes to see the scenario in my mind's eye, how the person asking the question, in this case, Scott, sees it from his perspective. So in, in my mind, I'm hearing what he's saying and I'm trying to read what he's conveying to me. But at the same time, I'm trying to visualize it from the horse's perspective. But as a trainer, if I go to approach a horse and I notice the horse has um, a certain amount of interest in the other horses more so than me, then I will begin to, if, even on the ground, I will begin to start moving the horse around the, the, the other horses to where every time the horse tries to get still, I'm going to move it away and just keep doing that until the horse begins to focus on me all the time. That if I reach up and scratch my head, the horse's ear is going to tor- turn toward me as I, hey, what's he doing? Now I know I'm beginning to make some progress with a horse. Then I may actually go and catch the horse. And when I catch the horse, I might try to lead it away. At any moment, I'm beginning to watch and and observe this horse's reaction to me. And if the horse is not totally focused on me, I will do something to get the horse to focus on me. But keep in mind, just like I said in the Iowa Horse Fair, my mind just can't wrap around reprimanding a horse, punishing a horse, at least not in the way that we view punishment. So I will begin to think of what are some things I'd like to see my horse do better. I'd like to see my horse let me control its hips better. I'd like to see my horse let me control its shoulders better. I'd like for the horse to lunge better. I'd like for the horse to lunge better and not pull on the halter while I'm lunging it. In other words, all of these things are ways that I can get the horse to consume energy and still do something productive in the process. And after a while, as I'm working on those, and then I get the horse to kind of relax, the horse is to focus on me. If his attention goes away from me again, I simply go back to working on some things that I want to improve on, all of which, of course, consume more energy than the horse just staying focused on me. After a while, the horse will realize that, again, on his behalf, I make better decisions than he does. Every time he gets distracted, he loses air. He loses his, in other words, we just consume energy. And as a result, the horse begins to think, what can I do to rest? All I've got to do is look at this guy and pay attention to this guy and I can rest and relax. I can increase my odds of survival. That's just the way horses think. So before long, they'll respect the fact that you're not really out there to cause them harm. You're not out there trying to separate them away from the other herd so that they could be the so-called sacrificial lamb. What you're doing, though, is you are showing the horse that go with me. When you go with me, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to control your legs and your lungs, and I'll protect you. When the horse begins to realize that, it doesn't matter where you're going to ride them. They're going to begin to trust the fact that where they go with you is going to be okay. So in the beginning, I would work the horse, just even with the other horses, and then maybe put the halter on the horse and make sure I can control the horse's attitude, control the horse's attention on me, and control the horse's legs and lungs, And then begin to expand my territory, so to speak, move a little bit further away from that herd and a little bit further, a little bit further, a little bit further. You see, what I want Scott to realize, it's not about taking the horse away and then taking the horse back to the other horses and and training it there. Because in a way, if the horse would rather be with the other horses, isn't he taking it back to the candy jar? Even though the kid knows he's going to get sick for eating too much candy, 
It's still candy. Still candy. So the the horse, even though he's working, he still feels safe in that number. And Scott's the bad guy by making him work in that area. You see, it's not about the place as much as it is how the horse is viewing the leader and who is the leader. Where is the safety zone? And the safety zone is with Scott, not necessarily the other horses. When you were talking about that process and, and the, the attention, getting the horse's attention on you, uh, I, I was thinking about a couple of different scenarios in Iowa when you were working with a horse that was real worried about, it was the only horse in the arena, oh, yeah. but the horse was still worried about other horses, every, uh, other places and kept looking there and calling out to other horses and how you would just pull on the, the lead rope a little bit at first whenever his attention would go anywhere. I mean, is that the same kind of thing that it's, you're doing whatever it takes to make sure that at all times the horse is paying attention to you? Absolutely. Because as the leader, I have a keen responsibility, just as a herd leader's responsibility is to not just watch over itself for survival, but to watch over the herd. In that particular scenario, anytime this horse is, like if I'm standing on the horse's left side, if I even notice the horse's right ear move away from me, that's a good indication that the horse is probably distracted for a moment. So very quietly, I'll just barely pick up on the lead rope just enough to say, let the horse stay focused on me. But if you'll remember, though, prior to that process, there was actually a young girl holding the horse at first. And if you can remember, the horse was like walking all over, looking yeah. around, almost dragging her away, trying yeah. to find out where all of its buddies were. And I simply told her, if you don't mind, just let him go. And then thank you very much. And, and you can leave the arena. So she left the arena. And as soon as she let go of the horse, what did he do? He bolted away from her and went to the fence and started looking for all of his buddies. Totally ignored me, but I hadn't done anything yet at this stage to earn the horse's attention. So I just let him go. And the, the, the thing I got across to the audience at that point is sometimes it's okay just to let horses be horses. And the thing is, though, after just a few seconds and the horse never acknowledged me, now I went in there and basically got its attention. And how did I do it? I couldn't care less if the horse was nickering at the other horses. I couldn't care less if the horse was looking outside the arena. I simply picked a very easy task for the horse to do. And in that particular case, I just asked a horse to move around the arena to the left. I didn't care if it walked, trot, or loped. I just wanted it to move around the arena. I wanted the horse to understand that I was controlling its direction. And this goes all the way back to my very fundamental basic horsemanship, forward movement. Forward movement. The reason forward movement is that it allows me to control the horse's feet. And then the next thing is the control of forward movement. Forward movement, in this case, forward movement to the left. Or it could have been to the right, but in this particular case that day, it was to the left. So we had forward movement, forward movement to the left. Then I thought, well, maybe we could kind of expedite this thing a little bit by getting the horse to consume a little bit more energy while he's going forward, while he's going forward to the left. So we controlled forward movement even more by asking him to go forward, forward to the left, forward to the left at a trot. And as a result, the horse began to just gradually start handing over more and more things to me. Every time he slowed down, I'd kind of toss the lead rope at him or pat myself on the on the leg or whatever it would take to kind of get the horse to understand that I need more movement from it until eventually it trotted. So the horse began to kind of train me to leave it alone by doing what? Go forward, go forward to the left, go forward to the left at a trot. Anytime the horse's attention got distracted to the outside of the arena, I simply just tossed the lead rope at it, pat myself on the leg. In other words, do whatever it took to kind of get the horse's attention back on me. And then every time the horse got pretty consistent in doing those little bitty simple tasks, 
I would stop and give the horse an opportunity to rest. And literally within three to five minutes, the horse turned and focused on me. And from that moment on, no matter where I went, the horse was in my hip pocket. So we have to realize that what we did was we just simplified the task to get the horse focused on us. Despite what else was going on around us, I don't care what's going on around us. The one thing I want Scott to realize and I want other people out there to realize is, is that we cannot control the environment. We can't control the other horses walking up behind the barn and exposing themselves and distracting our horse, the one that we're working with either on the ground or in the saddle. That's not those other horses' fault, and it's not my horse's fault for being distracted. It's my job as the leader to maintain that attention, maintain that position of leadership, and do it in such a way that the horse understands we're not causing any harm. We're just simply maintaining the horse's focus on us. The end result is almost always the same. I've yet to see it end differently, and that's the horse stays calmer, quieter, and very comfortable about being with us. All they're wanting is some sort of connection and some sort of herd. It could be with me. It could be with a dog. It could be with a group of other horses. So it's just whoever offers that horse that not just the companionship, which so many people get wrapped up into, it's whoever offers them the security. And so if I'm hearing you right, the answer to Scott's question isn't at all about where he does what with the horse. It's about this concept of making sure that the horse has a reason to want to pay attention to you and eventually learns that by paying attention to you, his life is going to be a little better. In the case of the horse, you know, in Iowa, I mean, I watched, he was looking everywhere in the world until you kept him moving. And at some point he was getting tired enough and he realized, okay, I have to keep moving because this guy keeps making me move. What do I need to do, dude, so I can stand still? And at that point, no matter what you did, he was no matter what was going on around, and there was lots going on around, right. he was watching you because he had figured out in that pretty short span of time that this guy's in charge, and if I pay attention to he'll he'll let me stand still and and breathe right and it's after a while it's that they want to they don't think of it as that if they if they leave they're going to get put to work right they they stay there because you've offered them a really good deal, yeah. And, and that's where the friendship comes in. That's where the bonding comes in. That's where, you know, like at the Iowa Horse Fair, that's when I noticed, that's when the women in the crowd went, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, isn't that sweet? What they didn't realize, there was a lot going on in that process. And what I want to get across to Scott as well in this particular deal and other listeners is that it's not about the location so much as it is about the focus he didn't necessarily do anything wrong by taking the horse and working it in the other horses and then taking it away. What he did was is just avoid the most obvious, in my opinion, which is getting the horse to stay focused on you. Doesn't matter if you're with the other horses, doesn't matter if you're 10 feet away from them, or doesn't mean if you're down the trail somewhere. The best way to get the horse to be safe in this situation is to gain its leadership. Now, an, another part of that issue with Scott's deal is, is that when he tries to get the horse away from this thing, the horse does a couple of different things. Sometimes it just balks and refuses to move away, or it'll sometimes balk. And then when he tries to redirect it away from the other horses, it rears. And see, now that's stuff that we're doing in the saddle because, you know, obviously a horse rearing, even when you're on the ground, is a little bit worrisome. But it really scares the tar out of people if we're in the saddle and the horse rears up with us for the obvious reasons. You know, the horse can flip over backwards on us, lose its balance and fall over. There's so many different things that can go wrong. And, and I tell people all the time, I'd rather have a horse bolt away with me or buck with me as opposed to rear up with me. 
it's, it's much more frightening. It's much more out of control. Um, so we, we really want to direct that. So the question is, how would I direct that then? Well, number one is that I would have directed before that problem ever come up. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm not a gambler by any stretch of imagination, but if I was, I'd want to bet against horses. And the reason why is they're dumb enough to put all their cards on the table. And I say that with all due respect, you know, as well as I do, I I think horses are incredibly intelligent, a lot more intelligent than people give them credit for, but they're very, very simple. And they're at times way too honest says, Hey Scott, if you try to ride me away from these other horses, I don't want to leave. So I'm going to stop. And if you keep trying to make me, I'm going to train you to let me go by threatening to rear up or by even rearing up. Most of us, when a horse rears up, what do we do? We quit doing whatever it is that we're doing that caused that. The problem with that is how do horses learn? By the release of pressure. Absolutely. So we're applying pressure, trying to get whatever it is that we want. The horse rears up and we take that pressure away and the horse says, hey, man, I got this figured out. You think that rare was good? Watch it. I'll do the next one even better. So the horse gets better and better and better at rearing up and starts picking its own time. And they're kind of confused because they're getting what they want out of it. But they also think that they're giving us what we want. You see, so it's massive reinforcement from where they come from. So here's what we need to do. Number one, let's address the problem in a little bit safer scenario. Can we address that problem on the ground? The other thing is once we've got the horse moving forward, we have to keep the horse moving forward. At any time that the horse begins to slow down, then we want to address that. So don't wait until it's come to a dead stop. Absolutely. Okay. Laura, what's the name of our podcast? Ride Every Stride. Exactly. So when riding every stride, we have to understand that we don't wait for the problem to occur. We're looking down the road, so to speak. We're riding every stride. So when that stride changes, let's address it now before it turns into a wreck. And you've heard me give this analogy. When we're driving down the road in a car, we don't wait till the car runs off the road and hits a tree before we correct it and try to get back in the middle of the road. As we're driving a car down the street or down the highway, if the car drifts just a little bit toward the shoulder, we tend to adjust the steering wheel to get it back in its lane. The same thing happens when we ride a horse. If we were riding a horse and it takes one step over to the side and that we didn't ask for that step, we just need to simply re-guide that step to put it back on track, put it back on its trail. If we're walking a horse, we need to feel that rhythm of that horse. And when that rhythm changes, either too fast or too slow, we need to address that immediately. I tell people all the time, and you, you know, I've done it at expos and I've done it at some of my clinics. If I'm riding on a horse that's walking and the horse breaks into a trot, just to kind of make my point to the audience or to the clinic attendees, I'll scream bloody murder if the horse is just busting out bucking. And I'll scream, ah! And everybody's looking at me, what's the matter? The horse just trotted. No, the horse was out of control. Because I didn't ask for it to trot, you see. But we get really worried when the horse starts bucking, don't we? We make a big deal out of that, and that's where all the questions come up. I wish people would ask me this question, Laura, and that's this. Mr. Van, I was walking my horse, and all of a sudden it broke into a trot. What do I need to do to fix that? (laughs) I don't get that one, because that one's somewhat manageable. Oh, I can ride a trot. might be rough as a cob, but I can ride a trot. But the buck scares the darn out of me, so we want to address that problem. My question is, is that how did you crash into the tree before you decided to redirect the horse? So the same thing happens here. If we're asking the horse to move and, and the horse is showing some sign of unhappiness, some sort of 
insecurity about leaving the herd. What he's really telling us is that he's not secure of leaving with us. Mm. So what we have to do is we have to let the horse understand that it's okay to leave with us. Let me show you it's okay. If you don't want to leave, let's work on some things that are really cool here. and Let's walk off to where it's nice and easy. Either way the horse is working, either way the horse is stressed, our deal is to offer the horse the best deal we possibly can and still get what we want. And as a result, the horse over time will begin to think, you know what, that wasn't so bad. You know, going on that nice leisurely walk wasn't so bad. Maybe you going shopping with one of your sons may not be so bad. (laughs) You know, so we can realize that it may not necessarily be the most desirable thing for the horse, but it's also not so bad to go with their leader. But it it all seems to come back to that point of establishing yourself as the leader, starting with getting them to pay attention to you at all times, whatever's going on around. Absolutely. You know, and again, I tell people this all the time. We can't control the environment. We we can't control what the other horses are doing. All we can really control is ourselves and our horse. So if we can control ourselves and, and then our horses by keeping us, keeping ourselves focused on what it is that we want, then it just makes those other things that much easier. So I, I hope in a way this kind of helps Scott out a little bit because, and if not, I want him to, re, you know, I want to encourage him as well as other listeners to get back with us. Bottom line, it, it, it's usually not an answer that people want to hear. You know, it's something that we just wish we could wave a magic wand over and say, ding, this is it. Or, well, Scott, if you reach back over your horse's right hip, tap him three times and wave the wand over his ears, it'll, it'll be fixed. But unfortunately, it's never that simple with horses. It's pretty darn simple, but not quite that simple. The simplicity is we really have to earn the right to be the horse's leader. And sometimes the best way how to learn to do that is just through thumb. Sometimes it's watching the observation of other horses. What do the other horses do to gain that leadership role? And then we need to be able to go in and mimic that. And then we, when we do that, it's a much easier way for us to not get the behavior that we want from our horse, but we also get the performance from the horse that we want that we're seeking out. Well, excellent. I, I hope that helps, Scott. I, I know I've learned something from it. So that's, uh, you know, that we can certainly talk about it more in the future. And Scott, if you're listening and you, uh, you want to ask follow-up questions, you can sure send an email to us at info at vanhargis.com. And we'd be happy to uh, go into that in more in future episodes. I think we need to wrap up. So a couple of things we have invite listeners to check out the the website at vanhargis.com to see where van is. If you'd like to have him in your area, you can contact us. We're scheduling clinics coming up in the months to come. And so again, you can email us at info at vanhargis.com to get more information about that. You can also send us your questions that you'd like us to address for future episodes. And also on the website, you'll find his calendar. You've got something coming up pretty quickly after this episode's going to air. Yeah, Laura, it's, uh, it's actually a horse owner workshop, what they call a how meeting. And it's going to be down in South Texas, uh, just outside of San Antonio area called New Braunfels. And uh, they can, again, find more information about that on, on our website. And what these horse owner workshops are, they are real short little demonstrations, I guess you could say, in, in which I get, I'll work with a horse that I've never seen before, addressing a problem that uh, one of the patrons there will have. And, uh, and of course, we also convert that into a question and answer session. So we'd love for people to stop down and visit with us on that one. And those are those are kind of sponsored or put together by the folks at 
at Purina Mills? Right. Yes. Purina Mills works in conjunction with some of their dealers. And these things are literally all over the country. Uh, we're doing this one coming up on May the 5th in, uh, in New Braunfels. And then, of course, we'll be doing a few others along the way, too. Okay, great. And so you can find more information, details about that on the website. You can also connect with Van on Facebook. If you go to Facebook and look for Van Hargis Horsemanship, you'll find the Van Hargis Horsemanship Facebook page. Like the page and introduce yourself. Post a question or just let us know what you're interested in. A couple of other things. If Oh, if you... um, if you're enjoying the podcast and we've been getting some great feedback, we really enjoy that. We appreciate the feedback that we get from listeners. We would very much appreciate it if you would consider going into iTunes or Stitcher and uh, leaving a quick review of the podcast. I want to thank a listener who, there's not a name there, it's just jhouse 41 left a really nice review of Ride Every Stride on iTunes. It says, good podcast. Van Hargis cares about horses and people, and it comes through here. Uh, thank you very much for that very kind review. There have been others there. You can see more of that in uh, in iTunes. I think that's it for this time. Van, anything you want to say before we wrap up? Well, Laura, we have had some people inquire about uh, me coming to their events and just being a speaker, uh, sometimes without the horses, just kind of behind the podium, so to speak. And we do want people to understand that we would be tickled to death to do those. Uh, We've done several in the past. And matter of fact, later on this year, we're doing uh, a speaking engagement for the Certified Horsemen's Association in Amarillo, Texas. So um, we want people to know that we are available for that. And feel free to contact us if you'd like to inquire us about coming and uh, speaking at your event. And um, for now, I'd just like to close by saying this and encourage people to keep contacting us and, and let them know that we will address their issues the best way we possibly can. And until next time, just remember that it's your trail, your journey, and your life. So ride every stride. <laughs>